Good afternoon, Chelsea fans. Welcome back to our Blue is the Colour podcast. It's, it's been a while since um, we last did one of these. Uh, I feel like it's a, a good point given how busy um, things are at the moment and how kind of the transfer interest is really starting to ramp up at the moment. And ahead of what we, you know, will be the kit launch uh, this weekend as Chelsea um, start their agreement with Nike. Um, plenty to discuss. So, got. Ollie Harbord with us, our Chelsea writer. Good afternoon, Ollie. How are Good you? Good afternoon. Very well, you? Yeah, not too bad, yeah. A Good. bit busy time of the year, this, isn't Very it? busy time of the year, yeah. Very busy. And we've got Rob Guest as well, who um, never introduced him as this before, but uh, an Everton fan, Rob Guest, who I, I think will be able to give us some great insight on, on Romelu Lukaku on today's pod. So, um, good afternoon to you too, Rob. Afternoon. Um, we'll get... We'll get I'll tell you what, we'll go through the... Kind of from defence through to through to the forward. So yeah. obviously, as things stand, Alexandro, Tiamumi, Bakayoko, and Romelu Lukaku are the kind of three priority transfer targets for for Chelsea this summer. Um, Alexandro, do we do we think given given the fees that are going to be attached to this transfer, a lot of Chelsea fans rightly very excited. Do you, do you think? It's an absolute necessity, though, or do you think a centre half would have been uh, th- that Chelsea should have kind of concentrated their efforts slightly more on a centre half? Uh, no, I think it is a necessity. I think um, you know, as we've discussed before, when you looked at some of their poorer performances, if you look at like the Man United defeat, for example, they didn't have a left wing back there because Alonso was ill, and it was really exposed. Aspilicueta went out there, didn't really work. Moses went out there, didn't really work. They needed another uh, left wing back. Um, I think it was obvious that Ake was not really wanted to be a left back by um, Antonio Conte. Uh, obviously, it looks like now that Ake is on his way out as well. Um, I think it really is a necessity, but I also think a centre back is just as a necessity as well. But I do think Sandro, he looks a quality player and he looks a fantastic. And Alonso had a very good season last uh, last year, but I think Sandro is a step up. Really, I, I do. I think he's. You know, he's got all the attributes you need to be a very good um, left wing back. He's sort of talked about before how he's played in the three at the back. He knows the system well. Uh, I know, you know, we're talking about the likes of 60 million, 61 million. It's a lot of money for a, for a, for a left back. But they are they are making ways, you know, by selling players as well. And I think that he, is, he could be a very good player for Chelsea. I think there's been like, in terms of how fans have reacted, I think the majority would, would say, yes, this is this is an example of, are still meaning business in the transfer in the transfer market. We're still able to go and pay, you know, big wages, big transfer fees for the top players in the European game. But I think there are also some that sympathise a little bit with Alonso and feel like, okay, well, he's not been he's not been a revelation, but he's certainly been a, a solid and dependable option there. Do you think it's almost simply that Alexandro is just this kind of more exciting, more kind of glamorous? Footballer and and also someone that kind of gives Chelsea a different skill set in that area as well, Rob. In that he he's got a bit more pace first and foremost about him, and I think that the prospects. I've seen a lot of Chelsea fans talking about of linking up with Hazard and that left wing. The amount of pace they've got going forward now is a real asset on that left hand side. Hundred percent. I mean, last season when Alonso came in, I know a lot of people questioned the deal, especially like being playing at Bolton and Sunderland. Yeah. When he came to the Premier League, but I mean, they were fantastic. They had a really good season, chipped in with a, a lot of goals as well, some important ones. Yeah. But when you look at the squad, I think your your wing backs, Moses and Alonso, they're probably 
the two areas you would look to improve on. And by bringing Sandro in, they're certainly doing that. I mean, he's been impressive for Juventus in the league, in the Champions League. I mean, he's got comparisons with Roberto Carlos. Mm. So, I mean, all Chelsea fans would love him. Absolutely. So well, that's what I was going to say to you, actually. Sort of quite interestingly, there doesn't didn't really seem to be a lot going on in terms of a right wing back. No. There have been some kind of tentative links to um, Danilo, um, Oxlade Chamberlain, if they were given encouragement that he became available. Um, although it sounds as if Liverpool would be the front runners there. I, I, just speaking personally, I think Sandro's an excellent signing. But if I'm being honest, if I was going to strengthen either of those wing-back positions, I would have gone for the right wing-back role. Yeah, but I also think that the left wing-back role is more of a niche position and it's not like other people could play that role. I mean, if you look at people he has used in the right wing-back role, I mean, he's used even Kurt Zuma as backup in that role. He's used, obviously, he's got Aspilicueta as well that he can use in that role. He's got Aloriana as well who could potentially play in that role. Whereas you look to the left wing-back role, you've got Marcus Alonso, and then who else, really? And if Nake's going to head off to Bournemouth for £20 million, which it looks like is going to happen... He'd be crowbarring as Pelicueta back out to Exactly, and it's yeah. not a natural position for him. I know he played left-back when he first came... Well, he broke in, sort of pushed Ashley Cole out, which was pretty impressive on the left-back, but he didn't look naturally right there uh, against United. So I think it's more of a niche role, really, that left-wing-back role. So I think it was more on Conte's list of priorities than it was the right-wing-back role, because I think he has options... Not you know not great options. I'm not saying Zoom is a great option yeah. to have it as a right wing back, but there is an option there. There's backup more there. Natural, exactly, it's slightly needed. more natural fit. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think with Alonso? Do you think he's almost not quite the natural fit for a wing back? In that you you imagine a wing back, you think pace, power, determination, ability to get up and down. A little bit like kind of Danny Rose and Carl Walker at Spurs in a way, I guess, or Kieran Trippier, whoever. Kind of Moses kind of fits the bill in that respect. Alonso kind of the anti wing back to me, and that he's kind of this kind of fairly tall, slim figure who's a bit kind of almost weirdly quite ungainly in a way. And whereas Alexandro is this just kind of physical specimen, a real machine of a player who just gets up and down. I mean, some of his performances for Juventus last season in the Champions League, particularly, were were incredible. Do you think? Do you think he's a more natural fit for that position? Yeah, hundred percent. I think Alonso. I think, like you've said, it's probably the pace. What's the key issue? I do yeah. think it's, it's more of a left back. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I do think he really did well last season in that role, but he isn't a natural left wing back. And obviously, by bringing Sandro in, you're gonna have that pace. There's gotta be a bit more creativity there, and I think you'll probably get a lot more out of Sandro than Alonso. Yeah, I think Alonso. To be fair to him, grew into the position. I think more as the season went on. Um, you know, you saw his, some of his goals. You know, he scored he scored twice against Leicester, didn't he? And he scored a wonderful free kick against Bournemouth as well. And obviously the header against um, Arsenal, where he sort of climbed above Bellerin. So he he did grow into the role definitely. I just think that Sandro is is an upgrade. The n- number of times as well that 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 was what surprised me. The the switches of play that Conte you know really loved and relished and encouraged his players to use. A number of times that the ball would come out to Alonso, yeah. and he'd be in a really advanced forward position. At times, he'd kind of almost further forward than Moses, and yeah. it'd be a Fabregas or a, sometimes Moses or one of the centre backs spraying that pass out to him. And he, he was kind of almost assuming the more kind of advanced role. It was almost kind of at times Moses sitting back. Yeah, I mean, if you looked on the right, the, on the right hand side, at times Aspilicueta played quite high. 
Um, you know, he, he was sort of ne- he was almost next to Moses at times. I remember the West Brom game when they were looking for the winner. You know, Aspilicueta was playing as that sort of almost another midfielder. Yeah. Really, it was quite interesting. And Moses the same. And obviously, when you have got Gary Cahill behind you, you're not going to get that same sort of attacking as Aspilicueta was. So I th- yeah, he he, w- he was given the license more. I, th- I always felt felt the ball came out to the left a lot more than it did the right hand side. Um, and so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Sandro does if if the deal t- does come off. You know, it's it's obviously a lot of money. PSG are in for him as well. It looks like Man City aren't in for him. Uh, looks like they got their eye on Benjamin Mendy, so it would be really interesting to see if if they can if they can make it work. And I think he could just be a, a massive asset, especially in the Champions League as well. Good stuff. That's one out of three, Dan. Yeah. Tia Bakayoko. Then I think this is the one, and we'll we'll discuss this ahead of it, ahead of going into a bit more detail. But I think this is the signing that we're a bit divided on personally. I I I think he's a good player. Whether I think he is a player that will come in and make that Chelsea midfield one of the best in the Premier League, which it, for me, when you've got the best anchorman midfielder that there is going, well, I say anchorman, he's more than that. It's a disrespect to Kante to say that he's, that's all mm. he is. But when you've got a midfielder who's that good, I'm not convinced. I think Bakayoko is very good, but his performance for Monaco v Juventus in the Champions League semi, that was the one for me where I feel like against the very, very best. And granted, Chelsea might blow everyone out of the water in the Premier League again. I think City are going to be a big threat the way they're spending and threatening to spend. But I think in the Champions League against the very best teams, I do I do, I do, do worry about him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'd say about it, I do, I, I think he's an upgrade on Matic. Because I, I, I agree, think, I agree with that. And I think if you're looking at Maybe who's available, maybe who they could bring in. I mean, obviously the likes of Tolisso was banded yeah. around, the likes of Verratti is still sort of being banded around a little bit. Um, I think he... I just, I've just got this image of two powerhouse midfielders in the sense of Kante and Bakayoko and the, the energy levels that will be there. I just think will we'll open up so many different sort of streams for, for Chelsea to attack and, and have that protection as well. Um, you know, I think he's... He, he, comes with a lot more energy than Matic does. You know, there are times in games where Matic, as I said before, just seemed to go absolutely missing. I know you're saying about the Champions League because that was that was probably a little bit flagged up. But as we've said before, he's, he's only 22. You know, it's, it was obviously a big uh, occasion for him to, to play in a Champions League semi-final. Did it overawe him? Maybe a little, but, you know, I, I, th- I think it's an exciting prospect. And I think if Matic does go to United for 40 million and they get Bakayoko for cheaper... I think it's fantastic business first and foremost. I think that they're really basically getting a player, a younger player, coming up looking like a like a really decent prospect that Conte can kind of mould a little bit. And if they're getting him cheaper for a 28 year old that they're going to sell to Manchester United, I think it's good business to start off with. Rob, do you think there's a risk that there's a similarity in style between Conte and Pacquiao? I mean, I mean, there were times last season course it look, looks as if Fabregas will stay to me there were times last season when Chelsea didn't have that player that could unlock unlock a defence he couldn't play that ball through the lines whatever it might be I think I think you're right Ollie. I think Bakayoko and Kante that the power and the, the dynamism that they will bring will will be fantastic for that Chelsea midfield but I do I think I'm interested what you think Rob I, I, I do worry a little whether 
they need someone with a bit more craft on the ball. I think it's a good signing. I think it's probably an upgrade as well on Matic, like Oli said. But if you look at the stats between the two, Matic is actually better going forward. Mm. Creates more assists, probably more passes going forward. You've got to remember Bakayoko is a young lad. He probably will take him a bit of time to settle in the league. Uh, I think he will do well. Perhaps, maybe, he isn't going to be as good going forward as Matic, but it's one of those, time will tell, really. Yeah, listening to, I sort of listened to Julian Aron the other day, he was talking about Bakayoko, and, and, you know, obviously he's seen a lot of him playing for Monaco. He was saying that, that was a, it's a similarity with Kante, is their final ball is probably what lets them down. Um, you know, the decision-making at that point. It's something Conte's talked about Kante a lot over the course of the season, was that's his next step to be a really great midfielder, is that final ball and, and making the decisions. Um, and I guess that is the one question mark over Bakayoko. It sounds like he's a similar style in that respect. So it'll be interesting to see what Conte can do. If he, you know, We expect Bakayoko to sign in the next few days over pre-season, see what happens there. But I think that you're looking at your starting midfield duo really and, and uh, go from there and, and hopefully they can add some sort of dynamic uh, sort of togetherness in the midfield okay. 2 out of 3 <laughs> 2 out of 3 in 13 minutes that's, that's not bad going mm. Romelu Lukaku there so still a bit of uncertainty over what happens with Diego Costa um, Mishi Bashwai Bashwai and Lukaku have actually been in the same place on holiday in Los Angeles together um, read into that what you will I'm not going to read much into it I'm sure people will um, where, where, where do Chelsea stand with, their, with in terms of a strike force at the moment in your in, in your mind and, it, and, and with Lukaku there's obviously been so much talk for so long over the past kind of week it's almost the, the, the speculation and the discussion on, on social media centred around Alexandro and, and Bakayoko and I think there's excitement generally for both of those signings Um what what do you think about Lukaku to Chelsea? Um, I think it's going to happen. Uh, I don't see him going to United. Um, I'm pretty sure he's not going to stay at Everton now. Um, They've already started spending the money, Rob, haven't they? Yeah, well, I mean, we've got a lot of money now with Mashiri. I mean, yeah. don't necessarily have to sell Lukaku. Obviously, I do think he will go. But... Yeah, I, I just think, I think it's going to happen. Uh, but... And Chelsea needed a top striker. There's the whole stuff with Diego Costa and the text messages broken down any relationship really that was left with Conte. I can't see him being there. I can't even see him being there pre-season, even if he's still technically a Chelsea player. I just don't, you know, unless some unless they have some sort of clear the air talks and it all gets worked out, then maybe. But is you he know, in limbo a little bit though. If Costa, he's, if absolutely. He's, if he's yeah. angling for a move to Atletico, it's not people really queuing up to take him. Atletico, obviously, the lead. In there, but they can't sign anyone until January. You know, they can't get anyone to play for them until January. So there's the option, I guess, of signing him and then loaning him out somewhere. Uh, pretty sure a move to China is not going to happen. He wants to, you know, stay in Europe for the World Cup year as well. So he's definitely in limbo. But you know, it's it's one of those that you just can't see it happening. You can't see him staying there. I can't really see him playing for Chelsea anymore. It's what's gone on um, behind the scenes, you know. And I just think that Lukaku is the most likely candidate to come in, but there's still massive question marks about him. I've still got reservations about his, you know, as we've talked about it before, his sort of big six games and, you know, whether he scores against the bigger sides. 
I mean, Rob will be able to tell you more what he's like, but uh, to be honest, for a lot of Chelsea fans, he comes across as a bit of a flat-track bully and whether he can sort of have the same effect at Chelsea, I'm not really sure. Rob, oh, we're going to open the floor to you here. Uh, do, you, do you think he would... Im- do you think he'd improve Chelsea? Or oh, million-pound question? Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. I mean, I thought Costa last season, the first half of the season, it was fantastic. Lukaku, I don't know. I don't consider him a world-class striker yet. I mean, he's early young. He's gone to get better. He's improved each season with us. I mean, his touch has improved. His play with his back uh, to the goal, that's improved. His goal scoring's improved as well. Whether or not he can do it at Chelsea... I'm not 100 percent sure. Mm. I think I think he deserves his chance. He deserves the chance to be, you know, testing himself at Champions League level. Um, whether he improve, he will improve Chelsea. I mean, he, he can only improve him by scoring more goals than Costa. Yeah. And Costa, you know, the, the the thing is, when Costa was out of form last season, it was pretty bad. Like his touch went all over the place. It was, you know, he wasn't really linking any sort of play together whatsoever. I don't know if Lukaku might have the same sort of effect when he's out of form, but you know it's it's just going to have to happen, I think, because they need they need a striker in, and you know it's either him or Morata. The Morata deal looks like it's still going to be United, even though that's stalled slightly, and they need a, they need a top quality striker, and I think it's just going to have to happen, and it, it keeps Everton in a really strong position because they can try and you know get as much money out of him as they possibly can. Is there another name that you'd go for if you were Conte? Who would you go for? Out of Lukaku and Morata? Any strike on the European market. Within, oh, re- within reason. reason. Um, you know, you could talk about Mbappe as well, but I, you know, I think that's Real Madrid's to lose, really, when it comes Aubameyang. to that. Aubameyang? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to see Aubameyang. I don't think the Lewandowski stuff, I think that was just floating around. I'm not really sure that that's, there's much concrete in that. Belotti's another one. Obviously, same, similar age to sort of Lukaku. I think he might be a year or so younger. But he's, you know, he got great goal scoring record in Serie A. Um, who would you take? Aubameyang, if he was available. I think I'd take Aubameyang. I think he's a quality striker um, and could fit in pretty well. Okay. Look, I think Lukaku for me, and I think it's, uh, I think you're right, Ollie. I think the, the, the risk of that big game record there's kind of like a bit of a spectre over him I think but on the flip side of it look how many goals he scored in the Premier League last mm. season he's, he's Premier League proven I think he's gone away and probably learned his trade a little bit elsewhere and I I kind of point a little bit to the De Bruyne signing for City in that I, I wonder whether there's an element of Chelsea just not wanting to repeat that mistake mm. with this with Lukaku. And they've seen De Bruyne go to City and just become this wonderfully gifted midfield player who's gone on and been a key part of of that team. I do wonder whether they are just intent on ensuring they, they avoid a repeat of that. Yeah, I think it's, the other thing as well, if, if Lukaku scores the same amount of goals he did last season... And they go and win the title. Who does, who does it? Who does it matter who it's against? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The Premier League goals are Premier League goals. Absolutely. Um, it's. Do you think as well playing with players like Hazard, Pedro, yeah. potentially if if Chelsea were to kind of go for more attacking midfielders, James Rodriguez potentially he's been kind of touted around Europe. If he played with players that caliber, Willian, if he stays, playing with players like that. 
surely he's going to get chances. He, he's going to improve. He'll probably he's playing with better players from the start, and then obviously he's going to get more chances. And with Lukaku, I mean, if his confidence is sky high, he'll hit the back of the net. Mm-hmm. What's so, what's what if you were to pinpoint one thing? What's the biggest thing in his game that he needs to improve? As someone that's watched him regularly, record against top six teams. What thing without a doubt? Why hasn't he managed to master that yet? What is it against the top defenders? Because I know he, he he said last season, didn't he? Lauren Koscielny, the best defender he's come up against. Is it pace? Is it just that know-how? Is it what do you, what do you think it is about his performances against some of those big teams that's just not quite? clicked probably a bit of know-how really I think I don't think it's just Lukaku when Everton play a top six team so we obviously tend to struggle a bit don't always get the results so obviously the chances for him aren't there but if you look at a few games last season when we played Liverpool away from home it was just non-existent and that's happened quite a lot against the top six teams but if he goes to Chelsea like we said chances will come for him and then you know if, if he can score if you say when you play like Manchester City Arsenal then obviously confidence confidence is there he can just kick on from that really I guess he's one of those players that, as well that sort of waits for things to happen for him in a way like you, you know you look at like a Sanchez or you look at Rooney a few years ago when he wasn't in the game he was chasing after the ball he was trying to make things happen he was trying to get involved in the game then there's still some question mark over Lukaku that when he's not in the game, it just goes by him, absolutely. And I know sometimes it's difficult when you are the centre-forward and you're a lone centre-forward as well and you're expected to be sort of at the top of the leading the line. But I think that's maybe one question mark over him. Maybe that's why, you know, in a lot of the bigger games as well, if Everton, for example, weren't, you know, getting the ball to his feet, he's just he's just gone, really. I think last season what Koeman actually said to him is, you don't go running the ball you just like wait in the area wait for the ball to come to you then that actually frustrated quite a lot of Everton fans because obviously when we're trying to win the ball back he's just there just walking around just waiting for it mm. but obviously a different manager yeah different a different, different style and a different time to pressure I mean Conte's not the one who's going to let his centre forward just sit there and not do anything he's going to want him to be in the right positions and work defensively from the top as well it's an interesting one actually because Everton played three at the back on a few occasions last season although he kind of tended to play with a partner didn't he he was more of a kind of a 3-5-2 I guess in some respects whereas obviously Chelsea played with the two wingers or sort of inside forwards off a striker how did he fare in that kind of three because obviously there was an onus then on Baines on the left hand side and then Coleman obviously Coleman's injury kind of robbed them of that outlet on the right and then it was Holgate playing a wing back Holgate played a right wing back yeah how did he? Was that? Was that? Did that bring the best out of him, in your opinion, or did he function better in another formation? I thought he did all right in that formation. I think he's better when we've had four at the back, and obviously we had three midfield and then two either side of him. Morellas usually are. Lennon's played there previously with him when he's done well. Barkley as well, so I think he's worked well in that formation. But interesting having two players either side of him. He's worked well with. Yeah, but I think if. Goes to Chelsea and they do play the same formation. Yeah, they do all right. Yeah, I mean, it could open up the you know the opportunity to play Batshuayi and Lukaku together. I mean, they've done it for Belgium. Yeah. Uh, it could make it 
you know, he could give him the option to change his formation to a bit more of a three-five-two and have Hazard playing just behind them. Um, you know, which means that Bakayoko and Kante maybe wouldn't have to be quite as creative. And you've got the width coming from Sandro or Alonso, whoever it will be, and Moses and whatever on the other side. So that could open up some sort of options there. And it could actually mean that Batshuayi gets a bit more of a chance to show what he can do. I think he'll try and stick originally with the 3-4-3, but it does give him some more options in that. Absolutely. Okay. Three key targets for Chelsea, three transfer targets that we expect to... Uh, deals to be clinched for as well. Bakayoko possibly even this weekend. There's a lot, lot of murmurs about that at the moment. Um, hopefully Chelsea will get that one through and, and content make a bit of a breakthrough. Um, in terms of the other position, obviously Willy Caballero looks like look fairly certain he will join as the backup goalkeeper. Remains to be seen whether or not he will be an inspired choice to, to come in for Begovic, I guess, but. Um, I guess the one other priority area that Conte wants to strengthen and, and where we'll kind of wrap wrap up our, our transfer special podcast is it is that centre back, mm. um, which I, I completely agree with. I think they they definitely need a, another world class option in there. Um, of I mean, Bonucci and Van Dijk seem to be the two likeliest. I say likeliest two options that appeal most to Conte. They're, both, they're quite different in some respects. Um, who would you go for? Uh, I'd go for Van Dijk. I think if you're looking long term as well, I think you know Benucci's what thirty odd, Van Dijk's twenty six, but Van Dijk is still. It's not like he's still got a wealth of experience behind him. Um, you know, he's still played Champions League football. He's played Europa League football. He's captain Southampton. Um, you know, I think he's got. He's a very very good centre back. Um, I personally would just go for him. I think it's, yeah, as you say, it's a necessity that they get a centre-back now. You know, Terry's obviously leaving. Um, you've got Nathan Ake, looks like he's on his way out. Bournemouth, um, still question marks over Kurt Zuma as well about where he's going to be next season, if he's going to be loaned out or not. You should. Um, I think now that Ake's probably going, I don't think he will go out. I think I think they'll need him to stay. Because yeah. if you're looking at, you know, if he goes to the three at the back and he doesn't bring anyone in, you're only looking at, Cahill, Louise, and Aspilicueta, and then back up there you've got Christensen coming back from loan, and you've got Zuma. That's sort of it, really, um, as as sort of first team. So a centre back role is definitely needed, and I think Zuma would be most likely to be stick around as well. Um, I yeah, I think I'd just go for Van Dijk, and I, I you know Benucci's obviously a quality player, but looking towards the future as well, getting a player like Van Dijk would be a big statement for the rest of the league. And I also think he's just a quality player that, that can offer a lot more on the ball as well as sort of defensively as well. Is he worth that price tag? <sighs> um, is anyone worth that price tags these days? There I is mean, none. There, there is I none. mean, it's such an overinflated market. So I to know that they can get top dollar for him. Um, no, I mean, realistically, he's not worth 60 million. He's not. But, you know, you're only as worth as much as people are willing to pay for you, aren't you? So... You know, it's, I think that Southampton are probably doing the right thing to try and put a hefty price tag on him. It's looking like Chelsea will have to pay that, and I think they probably will. But also, as I said before, and they could be making so much money out of selling players. You know, Atsu's already gone, Bertrand Traore's already gone, Ake might be on the move for twenty million. Matic, Matic for forty million. Um, you know, what you said earlier about possibly getting a replacement in for less money is almost unheard of. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you're talking about a 28-year-old and a 22-year-old as well. It's not really... 
something that comes around very much. So yeah, I, I'd say that I, I think pay for the money for him to be honest. And you're not really, you're still not getting a massive chunk of your transfer budget really. So I th- I'd go for Van Dyke. Well, Van Dyke. I think obviously got to be paying similar amounts of money. Fifty million they quote for Benucci, aren't they? For a thirty-year-old, and, and obviously it goes against what Chelsea have tended to do yeah. with contracts for sort of one-year contracts every so often. Absolutely. Mm. So it would be a bit at odds with with what they want to do. But is that is that part of the argument? And I guess that's for a separate podcast with two minutes to run. But is that part of the argument of you know Conte versus the powers that be on the on the board in terms of what? what they want from the players in the transfer window potentially I know Conte obviously has worked with Benucci both at Juventus and international level I think he'd certainly like to bring him in but out of the two I think he'd probably go Van Dijk he has Premier League experience already he is younger he's a long term option Benucci obviously has never played in the Premier League as good as he is it might take him a bit of time to bed in Mm. so I think you'd go Van Dijk Mm. Clean sweet. You Van Dyke as well. Yeah, I think so. I, I think the only, the only kind of fear I'd have of Van Dyke, and I, I, I think it's wise that Chelsea seem to be checking on is probably the best phrase. Costas Manolas at Roma. I think he'd be a, a great shout as well. I think he'd, he'd be an option as well that wouldn't necessarily be like a, an automatic first choice where I guess that is that there is that element of risk w- will Conte want to make Cahill his captain mm. is one question obviously Azpilicueta is a, a very viable candidate as well for that role um, but Van Dijk will come in and expect to be going straight into that 11 and you could argue that that's fair because Cahill rightly or wrongly was considered the weak link of that back three and I do think they they can upgrade in that position, but I think Manlas would be would equally be a, a smart bit of business if they could mm. if they could get him on board. The thing with Van Dijk as well is, amidst all the Liverpool stuff, they still want him. Yeah, I'm not sure City will go to those figures personally. If they look, if they really want Sanchez, and if they really want Mendy, if they really want Walker, and all of these players and all those transfer fees racking up, I I think City. Desperately need a centre half. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I'm not convinced they'd go to 70 million. Whereas I think Chelsea making a profit on, on the Matic Bakayoko deal, Sandro would effectively be written off by a collection of transfer fees that they're getting. Mm. Lukaku's the one big kind of splurge, I guess, in the transfer market. And they've got a new Nike deal coming in for 60 million pounds starting on Saturday. Absolutely. So <laughs> it's, it's a, a lot of money for It's a deal that blows everyone else out of the water yeah. in the Premier League, frankly. Mm. Like even Spurs' new kit deal with Nike's not, you know, no. nowhere near the same level they were talking about for Chelsea. So very exciting times, I think we can, can all safely agree. Um, perfect timing, really. Just past the half hour mark. Um, I think we've wrapped up pretty much everything there. A bit of Alexandro. Um, I think we're all fairly unanimous that he'd be a, a, a fantastic signing for Chelsea. So, very exciting times um, for Blues fans. Bakayoko. Mixed bag. Yeah, mixed, mixed bag. bag. Mixed yeah. bag. Mm. Possibly the same for Lukaku in some respects. Mm. I, I think he'd be worth the money, personally. I do. Um, and then centre-backs as well, I think that was fairly unanimous. I think Virgil van, Virgil van Dijk could be, in my mind, the difference between... a. a one of the best defences in the league in 
Mm. You know, a defence is not necessarily going to win the Premier League. So, plenty, plenty to ponder over, <laughs> the, over the next few days. Um, Chelsea's kit launch, obviously, at the weekend. Uh, we're expecting activity to ramp up um, after that. Just an opportunity to announce as well, um, and I'll quickly get your thoughts on that, Ollie. To, to talk to um, Chelsea fans, listeners of the Blue Is a Colour podcast about going to on the pre-season tour with Chelsea. Um, we Ollie will be going out there and covering every every last minute of Chelsea's tour. What's going on with the players? The latest transfer news? What Conte's saying? What the mood's like in the camp? Going around and speaking to Chelsea fans out there as well. So take it away yeah it's going to be a really interesting one I think that you know obviously last season Conte had his pre-season sort of disrupted by the fact he was uh, had the Euros um, he's coming in now for his proper first pre-season as Chelsea boss you know it's going to be just an interesting one to see what happens I mean they've got obviously Arsenal on that 22nd at the bird's nest and obviously they're flying out to Singapore where they've got Bayern on the 25th and then uh, Inter on the 29th um, yes, it's going to be a really exciting one, and you know they've got a lot of. Uh, there's obviously a lot of fans, Chelsea fans out in the Far East, big uh, deal with uh, Yokohama tyres as well. So there's going to be a lot, of, lots of things going on, I'm sure. Um, but yes, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And it's going to be a, it's a great to get a first-hand experience of what their pre-season tour is going to be like out there. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for today, and we look forward to your various tour diaries and <laughs> all the rest of it that we'll get from from China and Singapore. Thank you for joining me today and thank you to Rob too. Cheers, lads. No problem. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, we will be back um, probably in a couple of weeks before yeah. you head out. Yeah. So a, a, a podcast in a couple of weeks to look forward to. Um, hopefully some signings on board by that point and um, a bit of a chat about what the summer might hold next and a bit of a preview to the tour as well. So thanks for listening. Uh, I'll catch you soon.